Hey there, everyone. Thanks for coming back to localjobnetwork.com radio, where we bring you experienced professionals across all industries. I'm your host, Tim Muma. This is part two of the podcast, You Do What? I'm a Stuntman. Our guest is a veteran of TV and movie stunt work, including the Pirates of the Caribbean films and CSI Miami. His name is Hugh A. O'Brien, and we touch on some of Hugh's most memorable moments in his career, the worst aspects of being a stuntman, and later, how technology has a positive and negative impact on his profession. Well, obviously, you've had a, you know, a long career. You've had a very successful one. Is there a time, is there a movie, is there a stunt that or TV shoot that stands out for you that's really memorable that you just can't believe you did it or you just really took a lot of pride in it? I mean, I'm sure it's difficult to pick one, but is there, are there any that really stand out for you? There's many. I mean, being part of the, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy was just a, a, an amazing ride for two years. Mm-hmm. I guess the individual stunt... If I hadn't, if I had to put it down to one stunt, I did a, a car jump that was uh, in a movie called In the Shadows, directed by Rick Waugh, uh, starring Matthew Modine and James Caan, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Lauren Adams. And I, um, I was doubling James Caan, and I had to jump this car, and I hit what's called a pipe ramp, which is basically a steel piece of pipe that you slide the car up, and it helps you flip and twist through the air. With sure. the car. And um, I flew the car from the ramp, Till it first touched the ground, it was 181 feet. <laughs> and then it went another 260 feet on the ground. Wow. Um, we spent weeks planning it, a week or so building the car to sustain that kind of impact. All the kind of planning, and we had, I think, nine cameras, and we were jumping over a drawbridge. It was all these factors that were just added complexity to the whole thing. And did it, one take. It worked out. Absolutely perfectly. I can take credit right up and you know for for all the planning and everything. But there are certain points, uh, especially in those kind of crashes, that once you take off, you know, life kind of takes over physics and things like that. You don't really know exactly where everything's going to go. You know, it, it should go in this general area. Right. It should happen sort of like this. But you can't be. It can't be absolutely perfect. You know, it will do this. It will land on this dime. And but it worked out, and it was it was one of those gags where I look back and go, you know, there's not really a lot I would change with that, because it's a very physically abusive profession. Sure, um, we're professional athletes. You know, football players. Uh, you know, you sit there, and every week they go out and they crash themselves into each other, and it's fun. We all love, you know, you love playing the game and you, you love participating, but it takes its physical toll, its cumulative damage over years and years and years of doing it. So, and with some of these gags, when you walk out, you have you know, headaches, you might get a concussion, you know, people have been killed doing what we do. You know, act, things happen and go wrong. And uh, you're always getting bruised and banged and bumped and things like that. And that particular stunt, I was able to walk, I hit the ramp at over 70 miles an hour, flew the 181 feet, hit the ground, cr- tumbled, crashed the whole bit, and walked away and didn't have a bruise, a bump, or anything. It worked out better than I could have ever imagined. So I guess that would be um, the one gag that was like, you know, I wouldn't change anything on that one. Right. On all, on all levels, it worked out pretty much on exactly all how you'd envision it. Yeah. Right. And pretty much every other gag I've ever done in my 30 years of work, um, there's always something I would improve. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, as you said, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And then it, there is just a, you know, a luck factor, as you said, life takes over. Is the worst part of 
doing this just the physical toll is there a is there a mental stress to it is there is there that fear of the unknown i mean what i mean what would you point to as being something that you would just say if you could change it in some way you know what would that be be able to work every single day hmm. we don't have it's not a union or that when they say okay you're on the list you you're up next it's it's a business of word of mouth reputation and and uh, resume so consistent work can be a, a an issue at times is that it, at times it can it can be a real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of politics, like any business, but a lot of it can depend on literally your what you look like. Hmm. If I don't look like a leading man, I can't go and double that leading man guy. Right. You know, I have to wait. If I'm, you know, four foot ten and five foot in circumference, I have to wait for that kind of actor to come along, or that kind of those kind of parts to come along. Right. We are actors. You know, we just give a physical performance as opposed to an emotional performance. We create re- emotional reactions in the audience. And being an actor, it can it can be times of feast and famine. There are times you can, you know, you're working so much, you just want a day off to sleep and get a massage. And there's other times that, you know, as soon as the job is done, I finished a job last night, you know, technically you're unemployed until you find the next one. Sure. And that freelance kind of lifestyle um, can be very difficult for a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of uh, budgeting. There's a lot of, you know, getting through the dry spots, things like that. So that's probably the most difficult part. But it's also part of the challenge of making it in the business. Right. Isn't you brought that up, obviously, the idea of consistent work and having to budget, that sort of thing. When we're looking at a compensation side, obviously people, it's always going to pop in their head. Well, what kind of what, what kind of pay do you get? Are, are you... Are you anywhere close to what, you know, if you're on a movie, are you anywhere close to any of the other actors? I guess, no. how, does, how does that work? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess everybody knows you're not getting $20 million like uh, Johnny Depp or something. But, uh, I mean, I guess just, again, we, we try to fill in our listeners as much as we can. What sort of a ballpark you'd be looking for? Is it is it per stunt? Is it per hour? Is it just per shoot? How does that all work? We are actors. We're members of the screen of SAG-AFTRA, okay. which is the Actors Guild. Right. So when we go to work, we get paid the same amount um, on contract as an actor would. We are, we are considered a principal performer. Okay. And then um, we earn what's called an adjustment. If I go in and I'm playing a, a heavy, a, th- a bodyguard that's going to be shot, um, I'll get my contract for the day just like any other actor who, you know, who just has to say, hey, Joe, right. and get paid the same amount. Then I'll get shot. And if I get shot once, I might make... Um, I don't know, $100. If I get shot and we have to do it 20 times, I might make $300. Hmm. Because what they're doing is they're taping a small piece of explosive to your body and they put blood packs over it. Right. And then they fire it electronically. And then you have to act and perform like you've just been shot. If you now are saying, you know, so you get an adjustment depending on the risk, the skill set, and the amount of times you have to do it. Um, you're, you get an, an additional bump or an adjustment. If I'm now going to be tortured in the scene as the bodyguard and they're trying to find out where my boss is and I get lit on fire and they tie me up and they roll me down a staircase tied to a chair, well, that's going to cause, that's a lot more skill and hazard and risk. So my adjustment could go higher. It could go up to $1,000. Hmm. If I'm flying a car through the air on fire, crashing and tumbling and through a building, they could, you know, there there have been guys who have been paid ten and twenty, thirty thousand dollars for one gag. That's extremely rare. Sure. You know, because there's not a lot of those anymore. A lot of you know CG comes up now, and they're trying to save money. 
mm-hmm. um, and do do it electronically as opposed to physical. And it depends on you know the hazard. We're, we we do risk assessment. We we do calculated risk all the time. It's risk management is I guess a better description of my job. Can we do this safely within reason within a margin and you know pretty much guarantee that nobody's going to get hurt and we get a great performance or is it safer to digitally create it now? And you bring up a good point there. I was wondering that with obviously the improved technology and the idea of doing things digitally, is that hurting the profession in a big way? Is it helping in any any fashion? I, what's your sort of assessment with where movies and TV are going with the technology side of things and how it might hurt your performances? It's a it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some there's some great benefits to it, and there's some large drawbacks to it. It used to be, you know, you had Lawrence of Arabia and you need to see a thousand men come over the hill on a thousand horses in the middle of the desert. Right. So you, you hired a thousand guys and got a thousand horses and a thousand robes and put them on and you ran over the hill. Now they sit there and say, okay, give me 20 guys and we're going to put them on the hill and they're all going to wear green suits or they're all going to wear their wardrobe and then you're going to run them up and down the hill 50 times and then in the computer you're going to match them all together. Right. Well, you now have 980 guys that are out of work. <laughs> That's the bad part. Sure. The cool part is that um, you want to see your actor jumping from one building to another. I can actually go out on location and I can help that actor jump from one building to another so with safety systems and cranes and cables. I do a lot of rigging. I do a lot of flying systems, Okay. things like that. We can go in and then now digitally erase those cables. Those, that save those safety systems. We can make the audience believe that the actor is really in the middle of it. Right. I came into the business and under the tutelage of the men before me, we were supposed to be unknown. They would consider it unheard of to be doing a radio show about our profession. We were the magicians. We were never supposed to be seen. We're part of the machine behind the scenes that never supposed to be seen. It should be Errol Flynn or it should be Schwarzenegger, and everyone believes that they did everything that those characters are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be you know, the hidden ones. But life, and, and, and we've come to the forefront, the digital has allowed us to do things that um, we never could have imagined before. So it's opened up all sorts of avenues of storytelling that weren't available to us before. And it just, it's just changing the business. It's like going from silent to talkies. Mm-hmm. Was it the best thing in the world? Was it the worst thing? I don't know. If you go back and look at some of those silent films, it's pretty amazing storytelling. Right. It's it's how you use the tools, and it's just it's just you know manufacturing. You know the assembly line changed everything. Was that the best thing or the worst thing? I don't know. <laughs> For the guys in, <laughs> that originally built it by hand, it was the worst thing. But look at everything that gets built now; it ended up being the best thing. Right. Well, you know, Hugh, it's been fascinating hearing your different stories and the way you're describing, uh, obviously, the, your profession. And, and it is a niche, as, you, as you've mentioned, but, uh, but also the number of different aspects that go into it to be successful. As we look to wrap things up a little bit, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to give a takeaway, so to speak, for the listeners out there. Is there anything else you would want to share, maybe a piece of advice if somebody really was interested or just something you'd want to put out there as a way to wrap up our show today? Stunts are... First and foremost, physical performance. We are actors that do physical performance. So if you're going to do stunts, you need to be able to act. You need to be able to physically handle whatever they they send your way. 
That's the first job. The second job is you're there to tell a story. So you need the training to tell stories. When you, the stunt department is the one department that has to work with every single other department. You have to work with camera so you can do things and not hurt the, not hurt the crew or yourself, but still be able to make the illusion seem real. You have to work with wardrobe and you're working with um, special effects and, and uh, mechanics and electronics and explosives. And you're working with st- uh, the writers sometimes because you're trying to tell the story and help mold the story and the script to tell it right. Um, so learning about the movie making process and the storytelling process is paramount in my mind. But it's physical training. It's, it's being in condition. You're a professional athlete, hopefully for a career that lasts 30, 35 years. Out of the guild, we have 160 members, less than 5% make a living doing work, working in the entertainment industry. The average career of a stunt person, I believe the last numbers I heard was about um, 10 to 12 years. Hmm. And it can take up to 10 years to get established right. to where they trust you. You know, you're working for made big, large corporations. So you have to prove yourself that you're not just uh, a Yahoo and that's going to cost them money in the end, but that you're, you're efficient you're, and you get the job done. It's a lot of fun. We're not crazy. <laughs> or, um, we're not daredevils. We do a job just like SWAT, police, fire, just like them. While everyone else is running away, we're running into it. Well, Hugh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, we are going to have to wrap things up here on this edition of You Do What. There's obviously plenty of opportunity out there in the field if you can find that niche and work on your skills, as you mentioned about. You know, you can work with professionals and trying to hone those skills, obviously. I'm not condoning you lighting yourself on fire like Hugh has or uh, jumping off your house or anything like that. I'm not condoning that. You can make those own decisions on your own. Please, please don't do this at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, we've been speaking with Hugh A. O'Brien, who is the treasurer for the Stuntmen's Association of Motion Pictures, as well as a veteran stuntman whose work I'm sure you've seen probably in Pirates of the Caribbean or other TV uh, shows and movies. Uh, Hugh, thanks again for sharing your insight with us. It really was an interesting topic to talk about. Thank you, Tim. I really enjoyed it. Of course, we want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So just let us know if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts. Just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You've been listening to LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.